You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. When I listen to my heart, I can hear you whisper, asking me lovingly to come and follow you. Here I am, did I hear you call my name? Here I am, as you will. Speak, my God, I am ready to I am, I come to follow you. And a very good morning to one and all. Welcome to the Dare to Love show. Ours is a monthly program that aims to cultivate vocation awareness in the Archdiocese of Chicago and beyond by airing programs related to vocation promotion, vocation awareness, and vocation discernment. My name is Father Adam McDonald. And I'm a priest of the Society of the Divine Word, also known as the Divine Word Missionaries. If you've been following our program the last few months, you've probably seen me as co-host with our dear friend, Sister Lovina Pemet. Uh, Sister Lovina is not able to be with us today, so I literally feel like I'm on my first day of school. It's my first time flying solo, hosting Dare to Love, and it certainly is a great pleasure to welcome all of you. As you know, we are now in this wonderful season of Advent. And so what we'd like to do today on this program called Advent, a time to wait, a time to act, is that we're going to kind of do two things today. We're going to begin by welcoming a special guest today who will help us reflect together on the meaning and the significance of this season of Advent as a time of waiting and preparing for the coming of the Lord. And then our guest in the second half of the program will share with us a bit of her own vocation story, how she waited to hear the call of God and then acted to respond to that call in her vocation to religious life. So I'd like you to ask, uh, ask you to please help me welcoming our guest today, Sister Maria Brazuela, who is a Franciscan sister of the Sacred Heart from Frankfurt, Illinois. Good morning, Sister Maria. Welcome. Good morning, Father Adam, and thank you for the invitation to join you on your first time, your first time to host the podcast, the Dare to Love. Absolutely. I, we were chatting just before the show, weren't we, Sister Maria? And we said it felt like, you know, we're in this together. Uh, your first time, I think, appearing on the show and my first time, yes. uh, so to speak, hosting solo. So so welcome. And you're uh, zooming in from Frankfurt. Is That's the mother house of your community, correct? Yeah. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm zooming from Frankfort, Illinois, where it says on the weather forecast flurries, but I haven't seen it. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, it yeah. is it is Advent now, and it's uh, going to be Christmas soon, so I guess winter in Chicago. So Sister Maria, we're going to have a chance later in the program to talk more about your vocation story, but perhaps you could just tell us briefly uh, a brief self-introduction of who you are, uh, maybe where you come from, and what your current ministry is. I'm uh, 
I like what Adam uh, said earlier. I'm a Franciscan sister of the Sacred Heart from Frankfurt, Illinois, originally from the Philippines. And uh, uh, when I first migrated, I uh, lived in California 14 years. And then uh, when God invited me to, to consider religious life, moved to uh, the Midwest. Uh, currently, my ministry is, uh, I'm a full-time vocation minister, so... And uh, Father Adam and I are our cohorts and collaborators in vocation ministry. We are indeed, Sister Maria. Thank you for that introduction. And you and I, I'm guessing, have known each other for the better part of the last 12 years or so. I know I became vocation director in 2011, and it was very Mm -hmm. soon after that that you and I got to know each other. We share something in common in that you talk about being from the Philippines. And I myself, as you know, was on mission in the Philippines for four short years. For some, four years may seem like a long time. But when you fall in love with a place like I did the Philippines, four years was much too short. And I continue to have what they call a Pusong Pinoy, a Filipino heart to this day. So we will get the chance to talk a little bit more about that. So Sister Maria, uh, thank you again for being with us today. And as we get started today, as you know, we're, we're in this first week of Advent. And Advent is kind of interesting this year, being that the fourth Sunday of Advent will fall on December 24th, Christmas Eve. So those pastors and parishes are getting ready for a very busy time, right? Doing the whole Sunday cycle for the fourth Sunday of Advent and then going right into Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So I thought we might begin by just sort of situating ourselves and our listeners, all of those who are with us today, in sort of the meaning and the purpose of this time in our lives. And so I'd share a few reflections and invite you to to add uh, some comments and insights of your own. But basically think of Advent as uh, meaning come, the coming of the Lord. And really during the season of Advent, we, we really celebrate three comings of the Lord, isn't it? We celebrate the fact that in the fullness of time, God once sent his son Jesus to live among us. And we read and reflect upon his stories in scripture Sunday after Sunday in the Eucharist. But during Advent, we especially remember that Jesus promised us in scripture that he would one day return. Right. So after having dying, rose from the dead, and ascended back to the right hand of God, our Heavenly Father, he said he would return one day. And so we anticipate and we live our lives sort of in this period of waiting and keeping vigil, waiting for the Lord's return. But in Advent, we also celebrate this third coming of the Lord, and that is the promise of Jesus in Scripture to be with us always until the end of time. And so we think about how in our Catholic tradition, even now, Jesus is with us, fully present, body and blood, soul and divinity in the Eucharist. Jesus never truly leaves us. So we celebrate and remember the first coming of Jesus in the fullness of time. We anticipate and celebrate, and we keep vigil for the return of the Lord. And at the same time, we celebrate how Jesus remains present with us always. So during this week's of Advent, we talk about waiting for the coming of the light of Christ. Now, if you're like me, you notice that at the end of Daylight Savings Time a few weeks ago, things started getting dark a lot earlier. And so there can be a sense of really wanting and longing for the sense of light. But it's not just a sense of waiting for more daylight, of course. It's about anticipating the coming of the light of Christ and that light that is entrusted to us at our baptism that we are called to share. So we're not just waiting for things to get brighter, but we are actually trying to brighten the lives of others and the lives of our world 
by bringing and bearing the light of Christ that we carry within us. And that's something that the season of Advent is meant to cultivate within us, to remind us of the call to be light even as we wait for the coming to the fullness of the light of Christ. I don't know how that's landing on your ear, Sister Maria. Is, is there anything you'd like to, to share in addition to that about how you experience Advent and, and kind of what it means to you and maybe to your sisters in community? Well, for me personally, Advent is not a passive waiting, you know, uh, because as you, as you mentioned, you know, it's anticipating or, you know, uh, sharing the light of Christ. Well, if it doesn't do justice to the light of Christ if I keep it to myself. So there's an active, you know, um, in you know, involvement in this. There's an action involved in this. That the light of Christ is meant to be shared, you know. And that's the thing I love about Advent is that you know the joyful anticipation of Christ coming, but at the same time, you you know, you can't contain the joy that Advent, the, the gift of Advent gives you if you and and it moves you out of your comfort zone to share it with others in many different ways, whether it's you know the invitation to uh, to be of service to others, you know, to uh, do some outreach, or just be a joyful presence to the you know your world within arms length to make to make a difference in other people's lives. That's so well said, Sister Maria. Thank you for sharing those insights. And I was really struck by what you said that it's not just a passive waiting. I got to thinking as you were speaking that, you know, waiting isn't something any of us really enjoy. You know, think about when you have to wait in line or when you have to wait for the tickets to the concert you want to go to to become available for purchase. You know, we just, it's not something that we do very willingly or very readily. But I'm coming to discover that often life can happen while we're waiting. Like when we're waiting for what we hope to happen, there's so much that's possible that we can do in the meantime. And often it's in the waiting that we can notice opportunities, as you say, to be of service. I remember a good friend of mine years ago uh, used to kind of chide me because I would complain about having to wait for my clothes to dry in the dryer, then have to wait for the iron to heat up so I could iron my clothes. And he kind of piously suggested that those were great opportunities to pray for people. And at first I thought he was kind of just being holier than thou and kind of mocking me. And so one time, time went on, I heard him say this several times, and there I was dutifully ironing my clothes and not really sure what to think about except the fact I wasn't enjoying myself very much doing the ironing. And I remembered this classmate of mine, now a priest in my community as well, and I thought almost to spite him, yeah, Father said I should pray while I'm ironing my clothes. And you know what happened was I began to think about all the people who had asked me to pray for them. All the people who had crossed my paths with their joys, with their sorrows, with their struggles. And I literally, carefully making sure I didn't burn my clothes to get distracted by prayer, but focused on the people who had, had asked me to pray for them. So it's kind of interesting when we're washing the dishes, when we're waiting in line, when we're stuck in traffic, how can we maybe ask the Lord to help us see that as an opportunity 
to reflect upon, to think about our faith, to ask ourselves that question, how do I recognize the light of Christ within me, around me, and how can I be light for others? So I really appreciate that, Sister Maria, and I'm sure for you too in our community we'll be lighting the candles of our Advent wreath. So think about the symbol of Advent, the circular wreath, kind of the circle of the unending, unbroken chain and circle of God's uh, love for us, this boundless, infinite love, and then those candles being lit one by one, which represent the ever-growing brightness of that light of Christ, which we anticipate and hope is coming ever more fully into view in our lives. So do you have your Advent wreath uh, ready to go, sister? You've got your first candle lit. Oh, not yet. <laughs> oh, we're getting there. We are, yeah. indeed. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. good. Well, Sister Maria, thank you so much for uh, helping us begin to kind of unpack the meaning and the significance of the season of Advent. It's a season that many of us enjoy very much. There's so much busyness, so much anticipation, yet we are waiting some are waiting for those Christmas gifts under the tree or waiting to have the chance to purchase that perfect, perfect gift. But let us remember during Advent not to jump ahead to Christmas right away. The church has given us this time for us really to prepare our hearts well. So in the waiting, in the anticipating, let us spend time to pray. Let us spend time to reflect, celebrate the sacraments, perhaps make a good confession and participate in the sacrament of reconciliation so that we can remove anything that prevents the light of Christ from shining in us and through us out to others. So we're going to get ready to take a short break, and then we'll look forward to being back with you again, Sister Maria. that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Our school communities provide students with academic excellence and character education in a supportive and stable learning environment. Come see for yourself. Visit artchicago.org slash findaschool. Tomorrow brings 
and to be faithful, to be more like you. And welcome back to the Dare to Love show. Again, my name is Father Adam McDonald. I'm hosting on my own for the first time today, missing my co-host, Sister Lovina Pamet, whom I hope is doing very well. And again, Dare to Love is a monthly program sponsored by the Archdiocese of Chicago, which aims to cultivate vocation awareness through promotion of programs related to vocational promotion and discernment. Our guest today, if you've been with us, is Sister Maria Brizuela, a Franciscan sister of the Sacred Heart from Frankfurt, Illinois. So welcome back, Sister Maria. We were starting our program today talking about this wonderful season of Advent. Now, being in the first full week of Advent with the first candles lit on our wreaths and anticipating uh, the coming of the ever brighter light of Christ into our lives and a light that, as we've said this morning, is something that we want to shine through us out to others in our world. And so we're going to shift gears slightly, Sister Maria, and talk about something that you and I share in common. At the start of the show, we recognize that uh, you mentioned that you were originally from the Philippines, and I mentioned that I've been on mission in the Philippines. And there's a very, very particular way that Advent and Christmas are celebrated in the Philippines. And specifically, I'm referring to a traditional novena a nine-day celebration that takes place just before Christmas in the last days of Advent from December 16th to December 24th, known as Simbangabi, which literally translated means Mass at night, or it could be Mass at dawn in the early hours of the morning. So, Sister Maria, I have a feeling that you will probably be attending at least one or the other days of the Simbangabi Novena, and I certainly will have a chance to share about how I'll be participating. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about the Simbangabi tradition and how this beloved tradition in the Philippines is now very much active and present here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Yeah, um, one of the things that, um, you know, I, I grew up with the tradition, uh, but I'm glad that we don't do that here the same time we used to do that in the Philippines. In the Philippines, we, do it, we did it at four o'clock in the morning. And I know that we can't get our, some priests to get up that early to celebrate the Simbangabi. I'm glad that we're doing it here, you know, like about seven o'clock in the evening. So that's very helpful. Um, the tradition in the Philippines goes way back, I think, uh, with the Spaniards. And the Spaniards introduced uh, the tradition. And we are the only ones... Uh, the Simbangabi has a special dispensation uh, that was granted way back, probably about 500 years ago or 400 years ago, um, to have the, the, the Gloria sun from mm -hmm. December 16 to December 24. That's right. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't recognize that, that during Advent, on the regular Sunday masses, we don't even, you know, pray the Gloria. But in, you know, but when you're when we're uh, doing the Simbangabi, we are we sing joyfully the Gloria, and that is, I I think one of the things that, until I came to the United States, never appreciated that that gift mm -hmm. of really, you know, uh, the singing of the Gloria adds to the joyful celebration of advent you know that that last nine days the the gift of being able to sing 
joyfully and heartfully the Gloria adds to that joyful anticipation of, you know, celebrating the birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sister Maria, for sharing that. And I'm also remembering that there's also a dispensation given in terms of the liturgical color. We know that violet That's or sort true. of the purple color is the color of Advent. And during the Simbangabi Novena, we have the dispensation to wear white as the celebration of the birth of Christ comes closer. So we're showing some pictures there in the screen at some Simbangabi masses I've had the privilege of participating at and presiding at throughout the archdiocese in recent years. And just to fill out the story a little bit, uh, my understanding, Sister Maria, is that the nine days of the novena can really be tied to reflecting and celebrating the nine months that Mary carried Jesus in her womb. So think about that. Nine days of the novena, Mm -hmm. remembering how Mary carried Jesus in her womb for nine months. And so as you say so well, the anticipation in those last days of Advent is just so high and so strong, it's hard to contain. And the church gives us the permission and the the wherewithal to sing with all our might, glory be to God in the highest. So what a wonderful tradition. I do remember from my time in the Philippines, uh, to your point, Sister Maria, that yes, Mass was often celebrated at 4 o'clock in the morning. Those who know me well know that's not my best time of day, but for those nine days of the novena, I make an extra effort to get to bed early and get up earlier in the morning. And so here in the Archdiocese, as you point out, most often— uh, and throughout other parts of the United States where this tradition is observed, the Mass does happen in the evening and is often followed by some food and some fellowship. If you've ever been to a Filipino gathering, you should expect some really good food, right? Uh, and Sister Ria, speaking about food, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Uh, can you tell us about some of the traditional foods that are associated with the novena? Um, what we, and, and these are all different kinds of uh, uh delicacy that's made out of uh rice flour uh you know the bibinka mm-hmm. the puto bonbon and uh you know and the salad you know you 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 have this uh delicacy and you drink it with the um salabat which is a ginger tea mm-hmm. so interesting course, yes it, and of course, in the, the celebration in the United States, we have all kinds of Filipino uh, Filipino dishes, uh, it, you know, from egg rolls to noodles to whatever people, you know, are, are willing to make for to enhance the celebration. The, celebration and the fellowship. Absolutely. I would say, I'm getting hungry just speaking about it. But you pointed to two very important foods I was hoping you would mention, because I remember very distinctly the bibinka and the putu bumbong. These were two traditional foods that are in the minds and the hearts of the Filipinos and others who've come to know the tradition and really uh, set aside at those times. And, and so it's the liturgical celebration, but it's also the fellowship and the food that comes after the liturgical celebration. So think about Christ feeding us at the altar with his body and blood, and then us being fed at this common table where we bring the fruit of our hands, the work of uh, our hands and the fruit of the earth to share at this table and enjoy this fellowship. Uh, Sister Maria, 
Um, I would encourage you and others who are interested to find out more about Simbangabi and where it's going to be celebrated throughout the Archdiocese uh, by visiting the Archdiocesan website, archchicago.org. And I can tell you and give a little plug for the fact that I've so far accepted five uh, Simbangabi commitments. And so if you would like to join us at St. Emily Parish in Mount Prospect on Saturday, December 16th, we'll have an anticipated Mass uh, for the third Sunday of Advent. Then on Sunday, December 17th, I will be at Holy Child Jesus Parish in Chicago at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. On December 19th, I'm going to go down to the Diocese of Joliet, our neighbors to the south, and be at St. Raphael or St. Raphael Parish on uh, Tuesday, December 19th, uh, 7 o'clock in the evening. On Thursday, December 21st, I will be at the uh, St. Paul the Apostle Church in North Suburban Gurney, also at 7 in the evening. And on Friday, December 22nd at 6.30 in the evening, I will be at the Church of the Holy Spirit in Schomburg. All of these celebrations will be followed by putu bumbong and bibinka, the traditional foods, and also many of the other foods that Sister Maria has mentioned. So, Sister Maria, will I be able to see you at any of these uh, celebrations that I'll be at, do you think? They're not at 4 o'clock yeah, in the morning, but... so... <laughs> <laughs> sure, if I give tabs of the, the days that you're going to be on, uh, if it's going to be posted, I'll, I'll look you up. But probably more, more likely it's, you know, uh, I look at my calendar. <laughs> Absolutely, we will definitely we will definitely have those dates posted on on the Archdiocesan website, and I can I can let you know personally. But so we just cordially invite anyone. You don't have to be Filipino to come to these celebrations. It's really a gift of God to the Filipino Catholic community that the Filipino Catholic community now shares with all of us, our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world, to to join in this wonderful tradition. So if you've never been to a Simbangabi Mass, again, it's not at four o'clock in the morning this year. It's going to be in the evening, but consider maybe coming to one of the nine days of the novena. There are multiple parishes sponsoring the novena each night of the nine days, and so you could basically make the circuit and, and get your fill. But it's really just a wonderful way for us to kind of claim and make space in those last days of Advent to prepare ourselves well for the coming of the Lord. And again, this is just such a beloved uh, tradition from the Philippines that we're now blessed to share here. Uh, do you have any special memories, Sister Maria, uh, just thinking about when you were growing up in the Philippines? Uh, of course, we talked about the foods and things, but maybe the waking up early and that and then having to go to school perhaps after that. But any any things from your family, anything kind of being triggered in you that you remember as special memories of Simbangabi in, in your childhood? Yeah, uh, yeah, you mentioned like going to school. I, we, my brothers and I, and you know, we always wondered how we stayed awake at school after waking up at four o'clock. And, you know, and it's the mass starts at four o'clock. But all, you know, if you were involved in the choir or, you know, uh, or one of the lectors or, you know, involved in the preparation of the mass, then that means you, 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 got, you went to church even before o'clock, you know, before four o'clock. And to think that it must be God's grace. Mm -hmm. All I could attribute that is God's grace helping us stay awake. The whole day after the Zimbangabi to stay awake at school and, you know, and still be focused on what the teachers are, you know, are teaching us and, you know, be, to be able to survive the, the whole day at school awake. That was like, 
I could attribute that only to the grace of God. Amen. God is so very good. And I appreciate you uh, reminding us of something that we have heard and will hear so many times during the Advent season, that we are called to stay awake. Now, not literally to be, you know, have insomnia, but to spiritually and physically be prepared uh, to recognize uh, how the Lord is present with us and how the Lord is breaking into our midst. And so with that reminder, we celebrate the season of Advent and especially the Simbanga Novena, asking the Lord to help us live our lives in a state of keeping vigil for and waiting for his return and celebrating his presence with us even now. So we're going to get ready to take another break. This is the Dare to Love show. We look forward to continuing our conversation with Sister Maria. We're going to switch gears and talk a little bit more about her vocation story when we return. Community is core to Catholic Charities founding mission. For more than 100 years, we have met people and families where they are, serving anyone in need, regardless of their faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. As our world absorbs the economic, political, and social aftershocks of the pandemic, 50% or more of the 6 million people living in Cook and Lake counties have little or no savings. They are a paycheck away from zero. We are deeply grateful to everyone in the Catholic Charities community who partners with us to alleviate the suffering of the people we serve and offer them a better path forward. We are witnessing a message of mercy and hope to a world very much in need. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is Continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. I 
listen to my heart, I can hear you whisper, asking me lovingly to come and follow. And welcome back to the Dare to Love show. Again, my name is Father Adam McDonald, a priest of the Society of the Divine Word, currently serving in Hyde Park here in Chicago as the superior or rector of our formation house, where we have men's in temporary vows studying theology at the Catholic Theological Union, preparing for future service as Divine Word missionaries. We're so happy to have you with us today as we continue this uh, monthly program aimed at promoting vocation awareness in the Archdiocese of Chicago by programs that promote vocation uh, awareness and discernment. Our guest today has been Sister Maria Brezuela, Franciscan Sister of the Sacred Heart, joining us from Frankfurt, Illinois. We began our program this morning talking about this wonderful season of Advent, its meaning, its purpose, and its promise in our lives as a time of waiting and anticipation. We talked about the Filipino tradition of Simbangabi and are hoping and anticipating that we will see many of you at these wonderful masses to come and try some of the wonderful Filipino food we will enjoy. And now we're going to shift gears a bit and talk about Advent not just as a time to wait, but as Sister Maria has already mentioned, it's a time not of passive waiting, but also a time of action, a time to act. And Sister Maria, certainly you have acted in your life to listen for and to respond to God's call to be a religious, consecrated woman, a sister. And so could I ask you, as we begin to talk a bit about your own story, how did you first hear and or feel the call to religious life, Sister Maria? When I was 24, um, you know, just the invitation to the question, what are you doing with your life? So I was 24 when that uh, question kind of uh, um, started to uh, make me uncomfortable and um, and brought it to prayer. And, you know, uh, that time I was already... Uh, uh, in the spiritual direction, and then ask uh, my spiritual director how to de- you know how to handle this nagging question. So, uh, so that's you know, and my spiritual director that time had invited me to um, pray with it and really look deeper into you know the question of what is God inviting me to consider. That's very profound, Sister Maria. Uh, I'm sorry if I missed it, but um, did, did I understand you to say that a, a particular person invited you to consider this question, or was something that you kind of felt in prayer? You mentioned your spiritual director as well. Yeah, uh, you know, because everybody everybody in my, in my peer group were thinking of going this way and that way, and, you know, and, and just in the reflection, it was like, okay, what about me? What am I, you know, what am I doing with my life? You know, I, I was 24 that time, kind of really, that question is, it was really kind of like, you know, um, it's a nagging question mm-hmm. that won't leave me alone. And from my, from my uh, experience with my relationship with God, when a question surfaces and it doesn't leave me it doesn't leave me alone it's time to really kind of okay this is god speaking and what you know how do i respond to this 
That's very profound, Sister Maria, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's so true that uh, sometimes the question may not come directly from an individual, although it can, but sometimes there are those nagging questions that just kind of penetrate our awareness and keep kind of popping up until we really look into answering them. And, and that has certainly been profound to hear you share what that was like for you at the age of 24. Uh, when you heard this question and began to ponder how you might respond, and it began to lead you towards religious life. I'm curious to know if you're willing to share with us, how did your family respond to this? Was this something they were aware that you were thinking of, or did it come as a surprise to them? Yeah, uh, actually, I, you know, like I said, I was 24 when that first, uh, you know, exploring religious life uh, started. My mom and dad were still alive, and this happened in the Philippines. And my mom was still alive, and she didn't like the whole idea because my brother and I were the first, her first, uh, we were her caregivers because she was, uh, you know, crippled by rheumatoid arthritis. So she felt like I was abandoning her. So she was really against it. But she still gave me permission to check it out. What a beautiful story, so. Sister Maria. Indeed, uh, the the range of responses from those around us can vary greatly. And in your case, it sounds like there were the obvious concerns on the part of your mother with your having served as a caregiver that maybe you wouldn't be able to care for her in the same way going forward. But uh, I'm trusting and hoping that uh, as she gave you that support in the beginning, that that support began to and continued to grow over time and, and became fully flour full flourishing. You know, what was interesting is that, you know, I I did enter, uh, like I said, this is my first exploration of religious life in the Philippines. And when I entered, she gave me permission. But then it, it became, you know, after entering the uh, this particular congregation, realized it wasn't a fit. So uh, I think I stayed about a year, and I eventually decided, you know, uh, it wasn't a fit. So I came home, and I was uh, gracefully and gratefully invited back by my mom, you know, to uh, – she was happy. And it was – I kind of like uh, – I found out later on, she said, God finally answered my prayers <laughs> because she was praying that I don't stay. Mm -hmm. So, but it, you know, and, and that actually was very helpful for me to look at where I am right now to look at how God works. You know, God let me explore, explore it earlier in my life and found out there is that in discerning vocation, part of the discernment is finding out the place where you can you you would really feel at home, mm. so that you would have the grace to grow deeper in your understanding of God's love for you through living in community. And in the process, you know, and and my own experience was helpful 
for me in the ministry that I am in right now in vocation ministry. Mm, And that Mm -hmm. my, you know, it's, it's helping the person find the right fit. Amen. Yeah, yeah, as you're saying that, Sister Marie, I'm thinking about the the name of our show, Dare to Love, and how you're saying that we're trying to find that place where we become more free to respond to that dare, that invitation from the Lord to love as generously, as inclusively as God loves us, uh, God's love revealed to us through Jesus. And it, and it can be such a, an interesting journey with many twists and turns. And you talked about you know entering and then your mom's prayer being answered when you came home and then feeling that nagging question again, calling you forward. Could I ask what eventually drew you? What was it about the Franciscan Sisters of the Sacred Heart that led you to feel that that was in fact the place where you could be uh, the most generous in loving others. And, yeah, and that, you know, and I'm just making the connection now mm-hmm. because, um, you know, my mom and dad had a very, very strong devotion to the Sacred Heart. And I used to say my claim to fame is that I was born and raised in a, a a town established by a Franciscan saint. So, you know, by default, I, you know, I breathe and, you know, move in in the Franciscan air. <laughs> you know, that uh, our patron St. Peter Baptist founded our, commu- our, you know, our community. And the prayers have been in the Philippines for, uh, you know, 500 years. So it's just like, wow, you know, how I, I how I got to where I am right now, it all started back in my journey in the Philippines to, you know, it's all preparation that behind the scene, God was preparing me to to get to the place where I am right now. That's amazing, you know, the, Sister Maria. Yeah. I, I'm just intrigued by your, your sharing about this devotion to the Sacred Heart that was in your family and now to, to talk to you as a sister, a Franciscan sister of the Sacred Heart, the connection with St. Francis. It's amazing how God can and will and does work through everything in our lives to lead us where we're called to go. I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, how long did it take you in what we call the formation process, the process of preparation to become a sister? And, and what were the steps involved in becoming avowed religious in your community? In our community, uh, we have the uh, states of candidacy, which others call a postulancy. And then we have two years of novitiate, and then after the visit, you make your first vows. And then you can uh, ask to make final vows within three years, or you can extend it up to you know six years to make your final vows. But you and I know that formation never ends in final vows. Amen. <laughs> And it's it's an ongoing process, isn't it? You know, for yeah. those for those who think that you feel called to be a sister, to be a priest, and you just kind of dive into the pool and profess vows or get ordained tomorrow, how encouraging to know that there's a, a multi-year, multi-step process where the discernment deepens and is ongoing and unfolds over time. So very encouraging to hear about that, Sister Maria. We're going to get ready to take uh, our last break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this wonderful conversation that we've started about your story and your vocation, Sister Maria. So thanks for being with us, and we'll see you back after the break. 
I am ready to begin. Here I am, I come to follow you. I've traveled long and far to follow you. A stranger and a pilgrim in this world Sometimes I wonder what this journey will bring And you guide me faithfully to find a home in you Catholic Charities Family Self-Sufficiency Program has assisted thousands of single parents who are working to become more self-sufficient through education and employment opportunities. Our experienced case managers accompany participants for up to five years on their journey to identify, address, and break down barriers to improving their quality of life and achieving meaningful goals for themselves and for their families. Professional, compassionate assistance is offered in a safe and trusting environment as participants develop the skills needed to become financially stable and able to support themselves. Every achievement starts with a decision to try. To learn more about Catholic Charities Family Self-Sufficiency Program, call 847-782-4233 or visit catholiccharities.net. Forty-four for me teaching. When I started here, 
There were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun and they get it. I see that light bulb go off and it's a thrill. People are always amazed, what, what? You're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. <laughs> I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. <laughs> Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach, apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. When I listen to my heart, I can hear you whisper, asking me lovingly to come and follow Welcome back once again to the Dare to Love show. I'm Father Adam McDonald, a priest of the Society of the Divine Word. So happy to be with you as we continue to celebrate this wonderful Advent season reflecting today on the tradition of the Simbanga B Novena, which will be starting soon, December 16th to 24th, throughout the Archdiocese of Chicago. Invite you once again to go to the Arch Chicago website to find out the places where not only I will be presiding at the Masses, but many others throughout the Archdiocese. You are cordially invited to any or all of the celebrations you're able to attend. Again, our guest today is Sister Maria Brazuela, a Franciscan sister of the Sacred Heart. We are so happy and excited to have you with us, Sister Maria, as we continue to reflect upon God's movement in your life, and certainly your life um, has been a, an, an advent, a time of waiting to hear God's call, but also a time of acting in response to that call. You shared with us that, that nagging question you heard, your initial response, the reaction of your parents, your decision to leave the first community you were discerning with, to go back home, and then to, to hear that question again and to move forward, and to be drawn to a community of, of the Sacred Heart of, of Franciscan, which you had those traditions as a child. And so curious to know now, uh, how long have you been a sister and what are your current ministries you're involved in? I entered in 2004. I was 44 years old. And I love kind of stressing that when I'm talking to uh, first graders. And I said, I entered when I was old enough to be your grandma. And of course, they're like, no, you're not that old. I'm not a good math, so, so I'm not trying to calculate your age, but you're giving it away there, Sister Maria. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, it will. I will be uh, celebrating my 20 years next year, Wonderful. God willing. Yeah. Hey, some familiar faces there. And I know. <laughs> 20 years as a sister, congratulations. And what kind of ministries have you been involved in in those 20 years? I imagine you've done a variety of, of acts of service and ways of serving God's people. Yeah, and I, you know, my first uh, ministry is like, I called it a ministry of presence at our sponsored hospital back then. Uh, it was at... Um, St. Joe's Medical Center in Joliet, and the best place to be a ministry of presence is nothing more than being in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, to to provide that support and encouragement to the people that work behind the scene was, you know, was just awesome. But the fun thing is, uh, when I was when I was doing ministry in the 
you know, down or uh, down in the kitchen, the people thought the people that worked there thought that I was being punished because I was sent down the kitchen. But at the same time, it was the most uh, I think it taught me a lot because I don't think I have ever thought of that in my own consciousness the appreciation for uh, the people who work behind the scene. Mm. And so that to me was, you know, kind of, it It was humbling. And and then I, again, like I said, yeah, it taught me to be more appreciative, appreciative of, you know, the people who work behind the scene, the people who don't care, a thank you every time mm. they were of uh, of service to uh, to the people they you know they serve. So it, it it taught me humility in that ministry of presence in the kitchen. And then I also had that same experience of minister presence in the emergency room. You know where you were the first. I was the first person that people encounter when they're coming to the emergency room. Sometimes when they see the cross that I wear as a symbol, you know, people get panicked. It was like, don't tell me that my family's dead. It was like, "Um, ma'am, this is my symbol. It doesn't have to do anything to do with chaplaincy or whatever. And again, it taught me about, about understanding, you know, the emotions that people who, especially ER, mm. that the people have when they when they go through the emergency room, you know, it taught me to be more compassionate, to be a compassionate presence, and you know, and uh, a calming presence to do, you know the people that go, you know, that have to go through ER. And from there, vocation ministry. Mm-hmm. So you you've know, been present um, to God's people you know, in I, so many ways, Sister yeah. Maria. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. It's amazing to think how what we celebrate on the altar at Mass is is transformed and transported to the altars of the kitchen table, the altars of the hospital room, or the many places we may meet people who are discerning to be that presence of Christ in their midst. Uh, as we begin to, to sort of wrap things up, I have a couple more questions I hope to get to, Sister Maria. And one is, what do you enjoy most about being a sister? Having been almost 20 years in religious life now, uh, God has has kept you joyful and, and lively in this vocation for a number of years. And what do you enjoy most about being a Franciscan sister of the Sacred Heart? I, what I enjoy most is having, you know, being in the company of, you know, not to say like-minded people, because that we're all as unique as we, we are. Amen. You know, but... It's just the joy of, you know, even though we're so different in so many ways that we can come together, you know, in prayer mm-hmm. and share our meals together and be able to sit with one another. You know, it's just that having the opportunity to to be, you know, we know that 
were so different, but somebody called us together to sit at this table, to sit at this all, you know, to share the food at this altar mm. and, you know, and be able to kind of, you know, of course we rub each other the wrong way, but there's something that the awareness of something bigger and greater than our, you know, our own individual self. So. Amen. That's so well said, Sister Maria. And I'm just thinking that, you know, we say where two or three are gathered, Christ is present. Well, we always say in community where two or three are gathered, there's going to be some tension, like in any family. We have to work things out and <laughs> yeah. stay with each other. But thank you for sharing the joy that just radiates from you. And I'm sure will will attract many more people to consider uh, the joy that you found that they're looking for in their lives. And perhaps they'll consider life as a sister, a priest, a religious brother, a deacon, or a committed lay minister. So we just have a little bit of time left, but I wanted to kind of leave with this question, which would be, what advice would you give to anyone who is listening today, maybe who has heard or felt that nagging question that you once heard, that I certainly heard myself, what advice would you give to anyone who may be thinking that God could be calling them to discern religious life? Be open. Be open and take the next step. Because, you know, if if there's a steering within you, and if it's God's steering that, you know, being uncomfortable or not so much uncomfortable, but, you know, like that curiosity, that sense of curiosity do something about it because it's not going to go away. Amen. You know, it, yeah. it ties in so well with our theme today of a time to wait, but also a time to act. So if we've been waiting for the mm-hmm. Lord to invite us, we hear that invitation, let us act and take, as you say, steps to respond, to get more information, to speak to others, to begin to clarify where it is God is leading us. So Sister Maria, as we begin to wrap things up, uh, it is the season of Advent. And so I invite us to conclude with a brief Advent prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we adore you because you have come to us in the past. You have spoken to us in the law of Israel. You have challenged us in the words of the prophets. You have shown us in Jesus what you are really like. Lord God, we adore you because you still come to us now. You come to us through others and their love and concern for us. You come to us through men and women who need our help. You come to us as we worship you with your people. You still will be with us, Lord, at all times. We welcome you, the God who comes today, tomorrow, and every day. Come to us now. In the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm so profoundly grateful to you, Sister Maria, for joining us today. Grateful to all of you for tuning in to Dare to Love. I want to thank Michael May, our producer for this program. Wish you all a very blessed Advent. And as Advent leads to Christmas, a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We look forward to seeing you next time on Dare to Love. God bless. God bless. Thank you. A stranger and a pilgrim in this world Sometimes I wonder what this journey will bring Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.
seas of the love that I found in you.